Welcome to this episode of the We Travel There podcast. We're in Edinburgh, Scotland with my good friend, Josh Stein of SeedInsiders.com. Josh moved to Edinburgh for a year with his partner while she completed her master's at the University of Edinburgh. While there, he absolutely fell in love with the city and is excited to share his tips with all of you. In this episode, Josh and I talk about the Beltane Fire Festival, hiking the extinct volcano at Arthur's Seat, and golfing at the old course named St. Andrews. You have these three fun stories, plus a bunch more in this interview. The show notes will be available at wetravelthere.com forward slash Edinburgh. Now let's get started. The We Travel There podcast helps you travel like a local by interviewing guests from around the world to uncover the hidden gems of their city by finding out the best things to do, eat, drink, and see from a local's point of view. Using airline miles and hotel points makes travel affordable, but keeping track of all those loyalty programs can be a challenge. That's why I use AwardWalt to track my miles and points balances, reservations, and special goodies like free hotel night certificates and airline companion passes. Having everything in one easy-to-use dashboard helps ensure that I don't lose any rewards and makes logging into my accounts super easy. Go to wetravelthere.com forward slash AwardWallet to start your free account. Hey, Josh, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, Lee. Absolutely. So you and I know each other through a conference called FinCon, and we met in D.C., but uh, you had just moved back from Edinburgh, Scotland. And I, it was so interesting to me talking to you and learning a little bit about it. I had to have you on the show. Absolutely. It's really good to be back, but you know, I miss uh, being in Edinburgh. So what actually brought you to the city? Uh, yeah. So uh, my partner was actually doing her master's program at the University of Edinburgh. Being that I work remote full time, I'm able to I was able to move. And so uh, we moved to Edinburgh in August 2018 and spent uh, a whole year there. Of course, we did a lot of travel, but, uh, you know, a lot of our time was spent in the city and really learning, you know, about the culture and the people. And, uh, you know, it was a really good experience for us. Absolutely. So what did you love most about living there? Really, I think the people, you know, being in Washington, D.C., as uh, where I've just moved back to, I've called home the past five years. It's the people are very different. I think they're much more they're much more cultured. Right. Uh, they really value arts and I think friendship and really getting together. It's also really a place you can be whoever you want to be living in a major U.S. city. You know, there's a lot of stress and pressure, you know, to conform to society and Edinburgh is really not like that at all. It's very different. We just also really love the accessibility of the city. It's it is pretty compact and small. It's easy to get around from point A to point B. And we never got a car while we were there, so you know we relied purely on public transit. It's just a really amazing city. So if you had to describe the the city or the people in like just a couple of words, how would you do that? Uh, I would say it's enriching. You know, Edinburgh is actually known for being uh, an arts and festival city. They have I feel like almost a festival every month and multiple festivals uh, just throughout the year that attract so many people to the city. What would you say is one of the, like, your favorite festivals while you live there? Um, so what Edinburgh is actually known for is what is called the Fringe Festival. Uh, this is actually the largest uh, arts festival in the world. Last year they had, I think, three million visitors come to the city. And this, Yeah, and this happens in the month of August. It's actually the third most popular like event in the world behind the Olympics and the World Cup as far as tickets sold. So it is a huge, huge event, um, you know, and it's all about 
art and culture. And so there's everything from plays to comedy to dancing, like you name it. Any place can really be a venue. So you see everything from school buses to classrooms to just parts of the city just transformed into venues. Uh, and performers come from all over the world for the French Festival. So it's it's definitely, I think, uh, my favorite. It also tends to be the favorite of millions of people. That sounds like a lot of fun. And you know, we'll, I'll just kind of tease this right here. If anybody knows anything about tickets and demand for tickets, it's you. So I'll definitely take your word for that. <laughs> so if people are planning to, to visit Edinburgh, are there certain times of year that are better to visit than others? Yeah. So the French Festival is in August. You know, you have to go if you want to go for that. It's, a, I think, a very different experience in the city because it is Edinburgh, I think, is around 500,000 people, you know, normal population. So the city you know, more than triples in size. And so really gives you a different feel, right? And the French festival is definitely, there's a a lot of partying and just, you know, a lot of different stuff. But I think that's why I think maybe you go to that one year. But I also think going anytime September to December, you know, you're kind of beating a lot of the summer tourist crowds, you know, and the weather is still relatively good. Okay. You typically don't see a lot of snow, but Edinburgh and Scotland, Many people think it's, you know, oh, it's raining every day. That's not really true. Um, I think the biggest problem is actually wind. So bring a windbreaker, but it doesn't get relatively cold. We're talking like 30 degrees maybe is the coldest I think I ever experienced, even in the winter. So it's, you know, relatively mild uh, winters. But, you know, September to December, I think, is a really good time frame to go because you can beat the crowds, see all the things you want to see and Still not freeze your butt. Uh, so. <laughs> if we are uh, planning to come from the say the U.S., Edinburgh has their own major airport, correct? Or are there direct correct. flights, or do we have to fly through like London? Uh, there's a lot of options. So during busy season, so like spring, summer, I think a little bit into the fall, uh, I know Washington D.C., which is my base, has uh, nonstop flights, and that's on United. I know Newark, I believe, has a uh, nonstop year-round. I think it's just one per day or something like that. But uh, United is probably your best option if you're on the East Coast. Otherwise, you know, you can always get a you know good deal on a flight or use points, you know, to get any you know major European hub, and you can probably fly to Edinburgh for you know 100 or 200 dollars. A lot of times, I would you know I'd fly to London there's just more flight availability and then you know i'd take like a british airways or an easy jet out to edinburgh and yeah it's actually cheaper to fly from london than it is to take the train oh wow yeah air travel has gotten that cheap in europe it really is it just amazes me every day sure i I will say this for the listeners if you don't know miles and points are fantastic and like you said if you can get a direct flight that'd be wonderful if you're using miles and points, try not to fly through London because if you do, you're going to get hit with a bunch of, yes. of, of taxes and fees, which actually makes it almost like not even worth it to use your miles and points. You're probably better off paying cash if you're going to go that route. So for flying into Edinburgh, obviously lots going on with Brexit and, and everything like that You know, with, with the UK and Europe. Do you need any additional paperwork other than your passport to be able to, to fly into to Scotland? No, just your passport. All right. And then, so, okay, so we've flown into to Edinburgh, the airport. I know you said you didn't uh, have a car the, for the year that you live there, but for, for people that are flying and, and traveling, do you recommend they get a car or should they use public transportation to get around? 
So there's really two pieces here, right? So a lot of people come to Scotland and Edinburgh because they want to explore uh, the Highlands. If you want to do that and do it right, I think, yeah, you need to rent a car. Just keep in mind, you know, the roads are very small. They're very windy. If you're not an experienced driver or you've never driven a manual car, I would not recommend this. Um, <laughs> but you can also do tours. Uh, you know, you can have people take you around the highlands, you know, if you don't feel comfortable and they're, they're relatively affordable. But if you're going to be in the city most of the time, uh, I actually would not recommend getting a car because it's going to cost you a lot more. Parking is not easy, uh, in my opinion, and it's, you just really don't need it because the bus system is fantastic in Edinburgh. So you can actually take the bus. They have a direct line that will take you right into the center of the city. It's like the first thing you see when you come out of the airport, so you can't miss it. I think it's like uh, seven pounds, eight pounds, and it takes you right into the center, and then you can connect to any bus line you need. The other cool thing is the, the whole bus system there's a few different ones, but the one I'd recommend is the Lothian City buses. These are definitely the best buses in the city, and you can take them daily, unlimited, for 450 pounds. Oh, wow. Yeah, so very, very affordable. And you can use uh, your smartphone. You can use Apple Pay or Google, Google Pay, and it automatically knows what to charge you. So it, it's pretty efficient, and, you know, I just use Google Maps to get around everywhere. So it's... It's a really good system, very good public transit, and wish I had it here in the States. <laughs> yeah, the, the public transportation is sometimes lacking in, in certain cities. I know here in Nashville, we're primarily a, a car driving place. Same thing when yes. I lived in LA. So say if you did rent a car while you're there in Edinburgh, are they also driving on the left side of the road? Yes. Okay, yeah. So now you got you got the windy roads, you got wind, you got stick shift, yep. GPS, and you're driving on the wrong on the left side of the road. And you're obviously sitting on the right side of the car. So a lot to think about. So based on that, I I definitely would recommend not renting a car in that type of situation. Yeah, I wouldn't recommend it either. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So obviously now we're we're in the middle of the city. Are there certain parts of the city that we, we should avoid as far as when we're booking a hotel or certain areas where we should definitely try to get a hotel in that area? So that way we're close to some of the things we want to see and do. Yeah, so I mean, you can stay pretty much wherever you want. Just be close to, you know, a bus a bus stop. Um, that's really your key. Okay. Uh, if that's what you're going to rely on. Where we lived in Edinburgh was very close to the university, which is called uh, Old Town. So there's New Town and Old Town. Those are really the two main areas where a lot of the hotels are. It's where all the good restaurants are, and also very close to kind of all those tourist uh, things you want to do and see. Okay. So like my, one of my favorite hotel chains is Kimpton and they actually just opened a a new hotel in Edinburgh like last year. So when we started talking about having you on the podcast, I was really excited because I know I definitely want to go visit that Kimpton property. So with that, are there any other like hotel chains that maybe you'd recommend as far as them having really nice properties or maybe just something that's unique or in a, in a really good spot? Uh, yeah, there's a few. So the Hilton, so Hilton has the Waldorf Astoria. The cool thing about that one is it's actually right next to the castle. So a lot of the rooms you can look out your window. It's a small, very small window, but uh, you can see the castle, which very hard to get with a hotel in Edinburgh. Other ones that are, I think, really really nice is the Glass House, which is a Marriott. I think it's an autograph. Uh, so it's like a luxury property 
That one's very, very popular. And the other one that's really cool, there's a Sheraton that's, I think, actually very close to this Waldorf Astoria, but they actually have a, a rooftop spa. It also has a pool, like an infinity pool you can go out into, and it overlooks uh, the castle as well. I haven't personally been to any of these, but I've read about them. I've recommended them to people you know, that have stayed to visit us, but there's a lot of good properties around. But there's also a lot of great Airbnbs, so you can't go wrong either way. Right on. That sounds good. Okay, so now we know where we're going to stay. What are some of the top things that we should do when we're visiting Edinburgh? There's a lot of different events that go on. I'll give you kind of a list here and talk a little bit about them. But the Beltane Fire Festival, this is like a Scottish tradition. Uh, they kind of dress up, they dance around, and they, you know, they're carrying around uh, torches and lots of, of fire. It happens on Calton Hill, which is a, a place you should visit, but they do it for a change of season to welcome winter and welcome summer. They, so they do two different fire festivals. Uh, and you can go to this. It's very cheap. Uh, just make sure to buy your tickets in advance. It does sell out. Other things you've got, the Edinburgh Castle, probably the most famous tourist attraction. You have to go there. You can do that in like half of a day. Other events that go on that are really big, I mentioned the Fringe Festival already. But you've also got New Year's and Hogmanay, which is really Edinburgh's whole New Year's celebration. And so Hogmanay's actually happens over a few days. You know, I definitely recommend going for the torchlight procession. It's really a lot of fun and very different uh, than any New Year's Eve you've probably ever experienced before. Other things you can do, there's Arthur's Seat, which is an extinct volcano. Uh, We lived five minutes from it, so you can hike up it and all this stuff. Really great view of the city. Definitely the best place to to see the whole city. Uh, You've also got the Holyrood Palace, which is where the queen actually stays when she comes to Scotland. Uh, I believe she comes in in June, but it changes, especially maybe with Brexit. But yeah, the Holyrood Palace, you can tour. Uh, You don't need to buy in advance at all. Just make sure to get there early to beat the crowds. Other things you can do, uh, St. Andrews Golf Course for any sports or golf fans. Uh, You can get to St. Andrews, I think, in under an hour. And I think you can even take a train, but I recommend, you know, doing like a tour. St. Andrews is where golf was invented, and you can actually tour the what's called the old course. It's nothing like you see on TV when they have tournaments there. It's just so much more beautiful and so green. And you see all the hills, which is what it's really, you know, Scotland's kind of known for for golf. But definitely recommend that. And I think no trip to Scotland, you know, can be complete without touring or spending at least a few days in the Highlands. You know, the Highlands are really the outdoors of Scotland. It's what you see, you know, when you Google Scotland. A lot of movies are also filming in the Highlands now. It's Scotland has become a huge place for movie studios and TV studios to film. So, you know, definitely uh, get out and see the Highlands. But those are just some of the things that we recommend. There's a lot more to do and see, but you're going to scotland uh you can try to plan around some of these events and and things to see yeah that sounds like such a wonderful time when you're coming there to visit edinburgh obviously you can take a tour of the old course and st andrews if somebody actually wanted to play there is there a way to be able to to schedule a tea time i believe it is a public course but i may be wrong but 
there are ways to do it. It's kind of about who you know more than anything. There's okay. no like set way. I wish I knew actually because I've gotten this question many times, but it really is about who you know. But it's not really something you can just you know show up and play, unfortunately. Okay. But I do recommend it if you ever get the chance. It's one of the hardest places to play. If you think you're a good golfer, go play there. So. Yeah, well, I, I know I'm not a good golfer. I, I lose plenty of balls on the local courses here, so I can only <laughs> imagine how bad it would be <laughs> over there. I would embarrass myself for sure. If we are coming to visit Edinburgh and we're planning a, a trip and maybe we have a little bit of flexibility with our schedule, I know you said you, you should probably spend a couple days in the Scottish Highlands. If we were planning and want to see a lot of the the popular things to do and, and some of the things that we, we're going to talk about in this episode, how long should we plan to visit? To be honest with you, probably minimum two weeks. If you're coming, especially in the summer when it's kind of peak tourist season, maybe even a little bit longer because the highlands really to experience them, it's a, a few days. Okay, You could do a one day trip, but you're only going to see just a little bit, you know, and you can do a lot of the stuff inside the city, I would say, in like a week. So it really kind of depends on what you want to do with your trip. But personally, I just no Scotland trip is complete without doing the Highlands. That makes total sense. And so maybe it's one of those things, if you have limited time, maybe you are you're, have a limited number of vacation days that you can take away, plan to spend at least a day in the Highlands, maybe two, and then the rest of the time you could spend in the actual city of Edinburgh and explore everything there. And then when you come back, you know, maybe you book another trip in a couple of years and then come back and hit the rest of uh, the things that you weren't able to see the first time around. Yeah, I'd recommend that. There's just so much to do and see in Scotland. It's The Highlands are one of the most beautiful places that I've ever seen. A lot of people call it the most beautiful place on earth. You, you'll see what I mean when you go. So no. One of the things, and, and this, is, this is a little bit more for the for the adults in the audience, one of the things I think that you probably recommend is actually visiting one of like the Scotch whiskey places, correct? Correct. I do recommend it. It's actually right next to the castle, so you can kind of do both of those in the same day. You do buy a ticket to it, and you get tastings, which is really cool. They walk you through, you know, all the different kinds of scotch you know, all the history as well and kind of how we got to where we are today, you know, with whiskey. So highly recommend it. It's not normally something I would actually go for, to be honest with you, but I, we did it with some of our guests and it was really quite good. So I, I recommend it. Well, that sounds great. And hopefully kids will be allowed to go, even though obviously they're not partaking in the, in the, the scotch. Yes. And, <laughs> I travel a lot with my kids, so it, it would, I think it'd be good to be able to go and, and visit that. Okay. So before we get going, I definitely want to, I don't want to miss out on talking about some of the food that's available in Edinburgh. Are there any things that are particularly Scottish that we should try when we're there? Just like anywhere in the UK, uh, fish and chips. Scotland's are, in my opinion, way, way better than anything you're going to find in like London or England, mainly because Scotland has a lot of fresh fish. So definitely recommend, you know, getting a fish and chips, uh, you know, at a local pub. If you're looking for, in my opinion, the best fish and chips, which they actually have awards called the, the Chippies. <laughs> it's very funny and highly debated, but I recommend going to the fish market, uh, New Haven. This is in Leith, which is like a small little city outside of Edinburgh. Uh, it's still considered Edinburgh. You can get there on the bus. It's very easy. It's kind of like a beach-like town. So it's, it's really a lot of fun. But yeah, you know, fish and chips, you have to get that. There's a whole lot of other stuff. 
Well, what are some of the other restaurants you recommend uh, while we're there? Yeah, so Italian, uh, La Conda de Gusti, that's uh, you know relatively close to some of the hotels uh, I've mentioned. Very good Italian and, of course, fresh seafood. If you're staying in Old Town, there's the original mosque kitchen, which is like a, it's an Indian place inside and the mosque for the city. And it is just fantastic, very cheap. I would go there like every week. Um, other places, you've got like noodle and dumpling, really good. Uh, just noodles, dumplings, all kinds of you know good Chinese food. There's the apiary and Loudon's. These are two breakfast places or brunch places I'd recommend. And then if you're looking to do a you know little day trip, you can go to North Berwick, which is a small town outside of Edinburgh on the train. It's like 20 minutes, I think. Very, very cheap train. But there's a place called the Rocketeer Restaurant, and they have fresh Scottish fish and, and uh, lobsters, all kinds of stuff. It's fantastic seafood place, and you can kind of tour around the uh, city there. Really beautiful place. If you're into beer, there's uh, Barney's Beer, which is at Summerhall. It's like a, a converted... I think it was like a veterinary school and then it was converted, you know, into a brewery. Yeah. They have really great beer, very popular in, in many Edinburgh pubs. And then for dessert, uh, what I would recommend is Mary's milk bar. It's actually right below the castle as well. So you can stop there after you climb up the Royal mile, really good ice cream and, and desserts there. Well, Josh, I really appreciate you sharing so many awesome tips for Edinburgh. Like I said, it was already on my list of places to go. Now it's moved up several notches because it sounds like such a fun place to visit. Now it's time for the final countdown. So if somebody only had time for one meal in Edinburgh, where should they go and where should they eat? So I already mentioned it, the fish market New Haven. You get you have to try the fish and chips there. Yeah, that sounds really delicious. We're going to definitely check that out. Uh, hopefully they have some good beers there to, to go with it. Oh, they do. You lived there for a year. Uh, what's one of your most memorable stories of living in Edinburgh? Yeah, so I talked about it a little bit already, but I'll expand on it. Uh, so Hogmanay, which is the New Year's celebration in Edinburgh, it's really unlike anything uh, I've experienced ever before. Uh, it was really just very different. But I would say Edinburgh is easily one of the best places in the world to celebrate New Year's because of all the celebrations that they have. I think I mentioned it already, but they have a torchlight procession that happens, I think, two nights before the actual New Year's. And so you can, I think it's pay like 15 pounds per person, and you you can actually walk down the Royal Mile. So you start halfway down from the Edinburgh Castle, and thousands of people will walk with torches all the way down to the Holyrood Palace, which is where the Queen stays from time to time. And so at the very end, if you're above where everybody is, you'll actually see that the crowd forms an image. And so it's to reflect whatever the theme is of that year's Hogmanay. And this was just such a fun experience for us. We wanted more family to come and experience this with us, but you know, they wanted to do their own New Year's things, but uh, <laughs> this is, we're honestly worth going just for this. And so you, it, it's just so much fun. It sounds really cool that they actually have the foresight to, to create an image, like you said. For the year that you were there, do you remember what the image was that they created with the crowd? I couldn't tell you because I was in it. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I highly recommend this. And uh, it's actually a relatively new thing. They've only done it, I think, for three or four years, at least the torchlight procession. But it's become the most popular piece of it. That sounds really cool. 
So speaking of fun times and creating awesome memories, where's the happiest happy hour in, in Edinburgh? I would say the Royal Dick. I was talking about Barney's Beer earlier. This is one of the pubs that is right next to where it gets brewed. Um, you can actually get food here as well, but this is kind of a locals place. A lot of tourists don't actually find out about because it's inside Summer Hall, which is like there's a bunch of concert venues and theaters. Very small, we're talking, but it, it's kind of a locals place. But I love it. Uh, we lived about five minutes down the street from it, so we'd we'd go here pretty often, and you know, it's just a, a really fun time. Well, that sounds great. It's always good to. You know, obviously, one, go kind of mingle with the locals, but also respect them as well. You don't want to make it, turn it into a tourist hotspot, you know, but it's good to go in there and, and hang out and, and talk to some of the locals and, and do like what we do here in the podcast. Ask them what are some of the best things to do and, and what they recommend as far as places to eat and, and, and things to see. Absolutely. So one of the things I always do whenever I travel is check out the local pizza place. Where's the best place for pepperoni pizza in Edinburgh? Pizza Posto. And this is in Old Town, so another reason to stay in Old Town. Uh, you can get a pizza, like a whole pizza, for five pounds. It's very funny because, so we made a lot of Italian friends, and at first we thought this place was like a, a tourist, you know, trap, right? There's no way it could be good, right? Yeah. But then all of my partners, all of her friends were like, have you been there yet? And they were all Italians, and they said it was just as good as any pizza they've had in Italy. Oh, wow. It, it's won many awards, actually, in the UK, so definitely recommend going there. And it's very cheap. I mean, Italians, they definitely have a high bar for, for pizza when they're outside of Italy. So for them to say that many good things about it and to recommend it that highly, uh, you know it has to be good. Now, Josh, I know you travel around a lot, obviously, with your business, with games. Uh, what's your best travel tip? So my best travel tip, and this is something I learned while living abroad, uh, is pack light or, you know, really use like a travel backpack. You know, I spent a lot of time traveling both with my partner and on my own. But, you know, what I, I think saved us just so much time and, and money and stress was just going with a backpack. And you can fit a lot in it. But, you know, we're able to book then the budget airlines, you know, like EasyJet and Ryanair. So I could get to like Italy for like $50 if I could pack lightly versus $150 paying for a bag. Oh, sure. And the backpack that I use, uh, Osprey makes a lot of really good travel bags, but uh, I use like their Fairpoint 40. I've never, never been stopped once by Ryanair or EasyJet. So it's kind of like a big thing. It's like, you know, once you get stopped, you're like, oh, I got to change my <laughs> luggage. Because they, they're very strict about it over there, you know, versus like U.S. airlines. They give you a lot more, I think, flexibility compared to like Ryanair EasyJet. So this is something that saved us easily thousands of dollars. We were able to book some of the airlines that people are kind of wary to book. It's just you have to follow the rules and the backpack is the way to go. Right on. Yeah, I'll, I'll have a link to that in the show notes for all the listeners. So that way, if you're interested in getting a, a travel backpack like that, you can get one for yourself. So Josh, I really appreciate you coming onto the show. Uh, it was great meeting you in DC, and I'm glad that we were able to finally get you on the show. Can you tell the audience a little about who you are, what you do, and, and how they can best reach you on social media? Yeah, of course. So I'm the founder and CEO of Seat Insiders. We're an event, event ticket agency uh, that works with individuals, uh, groups, and companies. So we do everything around event tickets as it relates to sports, concert, and theater. Really, I like to say we're the easiest way to buy tickets to the events you care about. 
it's been really cool because I've been able to work remote, work from home, and, and also you know, move abroad. And I would have never been able to do that without the flexibility I have in my career. Absolutely. So if somebody wanted to find out more information about Seed Insiders, we're going to have links to that in the show notes. But if somebody wanted to contact you, maybe on social media, uh, maybe ask you some questions about Edinburgh or about Seed Insiders, what's the best way to do that? So there's two ways. I'm pretty active on Twitter, at Stein Josh, and we can link to that. Or uh, LinkedIn, you just search Josh Stein, you'll find me probably pretty, pretty easily. Um, I'm more active on LinkedIn and, and Twitter. Well, all all I can say before we go is I personally use your service. Remember when we had our our big group of people going to the baseball game in uh, in D.C. And all I can say is it was amazing. You are actually able to find tickets for I think we had about 35 or 40 people go to the game. And you found better prices than I would be able to find on my own or even just working directly with uh, with the stadium trying to buy tickets. So I I definitely appreciate that. I can personally vouch for your services. Well, thank you, Lee. I appreciate it. It was a fun time, what we had at FinCon. Absolutely. So again, Josh, thanks for coming on to the show, and we look forward to seeing you when we travel there. All right. Thanks so much, Lee. Big thanks to Josh for coming on to the show and sharing his tips for Edinburgh. Show him some love by following him on Twitter at SteinJosh. Send me a tweet at WeTravelThere to share your favorite thing about Edinburgh. All the links we talked about today can be found at WeTravelThere.com forward slash Edinburgh. We want to say thank you to Award Wallet for being an affiliate sponsor of today's episode. It's my favorite way to track my airline miles, hotel points, and other loyalty programs. Go to wetravelair.com forward slash award wallet to start your free account today. Join us next time as we remember the Alamo by visiting San Antonio, Texas to speak with my good friend Shannon Allen of thewonderluster.com. Shannon and I talk about having mimosas at the boiler house, watching the Battle of the Flowers Parade, and eating a three-pound cinnamon roll at Lulu's Bakery. We hope you join us when we travel there. If you've enjoyed this podcast episode, please share with your friends and tell them what you like most. Make sure you subscribe, that way you don't miss any of your upcoming destinations. 